on today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. And I think that's a lot of the times we don't learn it until we're adults and we go to therapy and our therapist says, yeah, that was trauma because kids are so resilient. Like kids can see parents fighting or see the worst of the worst happen and go back, go to school and usually outside of maybe some behavior issues, usually able to continue on, you know? So I think when kids show their resilience, we don't understand that was a survival technique. And that's why it ends up coming out when we're in a, when we're adults. This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. A Tribe Vibe is a twist on Ladies' Night, focusing on self-care for Black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula a transformation life coach, and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and Buddha walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you God's gift to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. With no judgment, I want you to type yes if you feel comfortable enough in the comments And let me know if you experienced the following with a partner or friends. Jealousy. If you experience emotional detachment from your partner, if you're easily angered, uh, do you do extra in a one-sided relationship? Do you push your partner away literally and emotionally? Does your partner push you away? (laughs) Or do you even create situations and make your partner prove how much they care? Or do you just stay quiet to keep the peace? If you said yes in the comments or in your heart, this episode is for you. So make sure and turn the volume up because we're about to get some solutions right now. With that being said, I'm going to read something. No, better yet. Uh, I'll hold off on that. So right now I'm going to talk about my beautiful guest. Her name is Diabla Sade. She is a trained therapist in trauma-focused CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, personal-centered therapy. I'm going to ask her about that. I've never heard of that. And motivational interviewing. She enjoys working with young and middle-aged adults to keep them, or excuse me, to help them uncover past traumas, process them, and let them go. Diavola has a wealth of knowledge, which is true, including but not limited to depression, uh, resolution, anxiety, grief, abuse, trauma resolution, life adjustments, 
stress management, self-care, and et cetera. I'm going to bring this beautiful sister out of the waiting room. Hi. <laughs> hey, Diavola, how are you? I am good. Happy what, Wednesday? <laughs> Happy Wednesday. Hump day. We've made it so far. Yeah. And everyone, she's back. I'm you know, back. She was, she was here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she made a lot of people's soul vibrate. And that's why she's back, because she's made my soul vibrate a lot. Yay. I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, of course, of course. Did I leave anything out of your bio? Anything you want to share with our listeners? Um, no, I think you did. Well, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, so that is like our title, like on our state boards. And I like to note myself to be a millennial mental health therapist, even though, of course, I work with adolescents and people that are older than our little gap. That's just my like preferred population. I'm also an author of two journals: the Therapeutic Journal and the Therapeutic Journal Toxic Relationships. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> And the link to her new journal is in the show description. And can we hold it up? There we go. Put it closer. Yes. <laughs> and I also have a picture I'm going to put up because I want to make sure people know what they're getting. Yeah. Make sure and check out that link. Click on it. There's two links for her just so you can see what this sister is coming with. Let's get into it. Mm. So the motivation of tonight's topic, as I was researching Diavola and I was going through her link tree when we initially met, I was looking for something for one particular article and came across this article that she was interviewed for. And when I say it made my soul vibrate and I knew instantly I wanted to this, wanted this to be a topic for tonight. And the topic is, is your childhood trauma affecting your or ruining your relationships? Mm. And this is a quote from Diavola it is when a person heals from trauma, they can find joy and gratitude. Agreed. I agree with myself. <laughs> <laughs> and in the article, it talks about how the, especially during this COVID season, how a lot of us had spent time alone. And, you know, you start to think about things that you do or your, your, your patterns. So a lot of the trigger words or buzzwords have been toxic and trauma. I'm gonna ask you, Diavola, what is childhood trauma in your definition? Okay, so when we think about childhood trauma, it's usually a traumatic experience that happens within our childhood that causes us some type of physical or emotional pain. So it can be as it can be physical abuse, sexual abuse, but even like emotional neglect of a parent, like they can be considered like a form of trauma. So it's really something that happened within your childhood that was a traumatic experience. Mm. Does that go back to those big T traumas and little T traumas? So everybody reacts to trauma differently. So say, for example, if me and you both got into a car accident on the same street, maybe the same day, whatever the case may be, you might be able to get back in the car the next day and start driving. I might not drive on that street for five years. I might not get in a car for three, six months. Like, who knows? Because we all experience trauma differently. So I I don't like to say big T or little T trauma because everyone experiences it. Like it's big to you if it impacted you. Mm. I never thought about it like that. So would you consider, well, I wouldn't say consider, but what, what, are your, what is your take on domestic violence? Mm -hmm. it, do you agree that it doesn't always has to be physical? Yeah, well, with domestic violence, um, one witnessing domestic violence is can be just as traumatic as actually like physically it happening to you. So kids that often will see domestic violence between their parents are often impacted and triggered in other ways. So when they get into relationships, if someone 
raises their voice with them, they might get triggered to go back to like that state of when their parents were um, experiencing domestic violence. So it doesn't have to necessarily be physical. It can be verbal. If you're saying dad curse out mom, mom cursing out dad, of course, we know it can be physical. So anything that just is unhealthy <laughs> can mm-hmm. be considered some type of violence again or intimate partner violence, as they call it now. Mm. So in relationships, how does it look with untreated uh, trauma? In regards to how that shows up, like, as we are adults? Yes. Okay. I know. It's a heavy question. I know. know, That's why you're here. Right. (laughs) So untreated trauma, it one, it just shows up so differently for so many people. A lot of times we will compartmentalize and it's a survival technique, you know, especially we went through that when we were kids. So it's like it's a survival technique. So how it may show up, you may self-sabotage your relationships. Um, You might find it hard to be in relationship with people, have trust issues, don't really trust people. Um, So those are just or those are just like some common ways in which trauma in your childhood can show up in adulthood if we're talking about like the realm of relationships. But if it's untreated, then a lot of times you're having this personal struggle and you're also having triggers. And a lot of times we don't know that we're triggered. You're quick to get irritated or quick to get angry or even quick to get frightful, like that fight or flight response, that usually is like that green light that, oh, I might have had a traumatic experience and that's why I react to certain things like this. Like I might react to somebody touching me and I'm ready to fight or I shake. So when it's untreated, it's usually hard for you to have healthy relationships or to believe that you're deserving of healthy relationships. And that's Mm -hmm. why you really want to get it treated. Because a lot of times we don't want to be so affected by our childhood. We don't want to be so affected by trauma, but we're human and we have to give ourselves the grace, give ourselves that grace note. It is okay that you're affected, but now what you're going to do about it. Can we back up a little? Can you give examples of Mm self-sabotaging a relationship? Yeah, so self-sabotaging can look like, oh, if I'm fearful that someone might break up with me, I'm going to break up with you first. I'm going to find a problem with you first so I can leave the relationship first. Uh, I don't let people get close to me. So every time it seems like you're getting close, I'm going to find something wrong here. So that can be like an example of like self-sabotaging. Of course, anytime you're acting out verbally abuse that you're self-sabotaging your relationship you know so it's so many ways that it can show up but a lot of my clients i'll see that that's what it will look like it will be i'm so afraid that i'm not deserving of this relationship or i feel like this person really doesn't love me or i have to continue to audition or be this person for someone else that you know what i'm just gonna go ahead and bow i'm just I'm, I'm, at least if i'm alone I ain't got to worry about anybody else hurting me. So it's really kind of feeling like you really want to be in a relationship, but so afraid of it that you exonate everybody out. You isolate, you withdraw. So those are like, a, that's a common instance of what it can look like. Is there any other self-sabotaging that looks opposite of that? Um, if you're verbally abusive, <laughs> I think that is a, that's a real uh, a way of looking at it. Or you just, uh, I got to know where, who, who you talking to, who you call, let me go through your phone. Like anytime you try to see what's, I got to know where you're at at all times, put your location on. So me, you self-sabotaging is really very quote unquote toxic. I know sometimes we can overuse that, but anytime that you're just so aggressive or you feel like I'm going to make sure I know you're not hurting me. I got to be knowing who you talk to, where you going, who you with. You know, I got to have passwords. I got So if you're so aggressive. Wait, wait, what was that app? You got to have passwords. Oh, I thought you said something. No. No. Sorry, that's what I meant. It's like, you know, I started talking fast, but it's really you having to feel like, oh, my God, I have to know everything that this person is doing. You know, I really don't trust this person. So, but I'm not going to say I don't trust the person, but my behavior shows that I don't trust you. So that's self-sabotaging your relationship. Oh, you know what? I So listen, I just thought of this. There's this show called Ready to Love on OWN. And it's about finding love with Black folks, right? And so this one man, obviously he went through something with a prior relationship because he's out with the new woman he's dating. And he said, look, 
we're in a relationship. I'm going to give you all of my passwords, but you got to give me yours too. I know. And he was serious and the ladies were not feeling that at all. And when I was listening to that, I, I figured, you know, that obviously is coming from somewhere. Yeah. And it's a it's a response. It's a like a trigger response. Like, why does he feel the need to have them? Like, what security does that break him? How does it serve him to know this? Do you think if I know this, I'm going to be able to make sure she's not cheating? If someone's going to cheat, they're going to cheat. So you really have to figure out, am I really picking adequate partners? Do I feel like I'm deserving of an adequate partner? Can I handle an adequate partner? So all of it really is within yourself. And a lot of times we in when we self-sabotage, we're pushing it off like it's the other person's fault. We're projecting that onto the other person versus addressing how it's really our, it's a part dealing with us and what we need to heal from. So you don't want to always feel triggered in your relationship, but who is going to address your triggers? You're supposed to. It's not your partner's responsibility to do that. They can age and support you in that, but you have to do the work. Mm, that goes back to that saying, no one else is responsible for your healing, but you. Agreed. What's your opinion about drive-bys? <laughs> All of these toxic behaviors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you. I definitely now. So let me preface by saying that I do believe in intuition and discernment. So we're not going to negate that. So if you're having these feelings, and you know, a lot of times we feel like, well, my intuition has trust issues, or is it that you've always been right when you've had this intuition? So. If it's a recurring thing, like say you do it and there's nothing to be found, then you have to, why Why am I triggered? What triggered me to do this? Like, is this person really doing something or is it me having these uneasy feelings, this, you know, this fight or flight response that I need to really address within myself? So it, again, sometimes like you're not wrong. So I'm not trying to negate that. But I'm also mm -hmm. saying if you can't really trust the person you're with, you really shouldn't be in the relationship with them, too. So mm. y'all wow. address that. <laughs> right. What does it look like when someone is numb in a relationship? Um, those normally can look like a love avoidance. So um aspect. What is that? So there's this book called Face and Love Addiction. It's about codependency. And it shows how people who were brought up in their childhood, a certain type of childhood, whether they were like their parents ports like their parents needed them emotionally too much or their parents were emotionally neglectful. Regardless, they end up kind of following into, following into a category known as love addict or love avoidance, sometimes a little bit of both. So with the love addict, they're like trying to do everything to be in the relationship. Like they're willing to break their back to make the relationship work. Whatever you need, I got you. Like not even dealing with their own what they need, but they're so I need you to love me. Like let me keep being everything you need, even if it betrays myself. And with the love avoidant, they often come from a family where either they were needed so much emotionally that when people get too close, they ghost, they withdraw, they isolate, they become numb. They're not really emotionally invested because they fear being emotionally used like so much that they will become like really numb. So that can be characteristics of a love avoidant. And usually these two, love addict and love avoidant, they get together. And it never works out. <laughs> never. <laughs> because they're codependent. It's not gonna it's not gonna work out. But it all started in childhood. So I would recommend that book by Pia Metalody Metalody, I wanna say. Forgive me if I said her name wrong, but it's called Face and Love Addiction and it's amazing. Well, you know I'm putting it in the show notes because I can have something to refer back to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. I've heard of love addict, but I never really knew the definition until you broke it down like that. Mm -hmm. hmm. Is it mostly in men or women? Um, so the book didn't go into if there was like a specific like information on gender um, and who went to what. It really just focused on how you were reared. So, like I said, with the love addict, mostly they had a, a parent that was like emotionally distant or neglectful or just not there. So it's like a feel or a need to overcompensate in their relationships. 
and needing, but they also fall in love fast. Like they just want someone to love them so much. So they're the love addict. Then the love avoidant, the parent is mostly needed them emotionally too much. Like they had to parent their, they had to parent their parents. So now they're just like, I don't want their responsibility. I don't want to have to be, your life doesn't move because you need me, you know? So they, they have fear of being emotionally used in that way. So is it as if they they are depleted emotionally from what happened in the past? Yeah. So current day, they are just depleted. They're just done. Right. And so, I mean, imagine if your entire life you had to take care of your parent and not the other way around. That's a lot of responsibility, taking care of a human. Like some of us don't even have kids, but we know if we do have kids. Like it's hard to be like you trying to take care of yourself and you have to mostly take care of someone else. So imagine you this you're 13, 14 years old, 10 years old, and your mother is you know struggling with alcoholism and they have you have to make sure your brothers and sisters get up for school and have breakfast and then you gotta make sure your mom is crying. So mom, it's okay. You know what do you need? I can be everything you need. You get so just depleted that you're as we become an adult and you know you're by yourself. I don't want this to happen to me again. I don't want to be that responsible for someone's happiness again. They can't, they haven't registered that you can have healthy relationship where someone is not emotionally dependent on you, but they never, you know, witnessed that. So they're just like, they're self-sabotaging the relationship by ghosting and getting out of them when a person gets too close. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's touch on ghosting. <laughs> Yeah, I like that oof because I feel the same way. What were your thoughts you were about to say? Um, ghosting. You know, I think just at the age I am now, I just feel like it. Unless this person is like in, you're in danger of being hurt by this person, like physically, or to some, you know, you feel for your life. Then I totally understand not feeling the need to have a conversation. But it literally takes what five minutes to say hey, this is not working for me. You know, this is just not for me. Whatever you need to say. Now, that person, now, what they want to do with that information, they're, you know, they're in charge of their own feelings. They're responsible for their own feelings. So whatever, if they feel rejected and abandoned, that's just something they have to deal with on their own, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're not responsible for how they perceive that. The, you can just be honest. I think a lot of times it's just a coward way of, backing out of something and what goes around comes around so understand it so it takes nothing to just be a good person and just say hey this isn't working for me there's no nice right. just say it and get it over with i feel like that is the most immature response yeah ever it really is can you tell i've been ghosted before we all have I, I, you know, I think I've ghosted before. Yes, I have, you know, and I, uh, not when I was at my best self. So I definitely understand doing it and having it done to me. And, you know, you just grow. And I think sometimes you got to have it happen to you for you to understand like, oh, dang, that really hurts. Let me do better. But, you know, ouch, ouch, <laughs> a little wound, little, little wound. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have other thoughts on that, but I'll I'll hold that for an after show. <laughs> so how does childhood trauma impact future relationships? Mm. So, of course, it's not as black and white as we would want it to have. Some people had successful relationships and have experienced childhood trauma. Yes, they have. Um, it's not easy, but it also doesn't mean you're never going to be in a healthy relationship. But I think at some point in those relationships, people took accountability instead of projecting. So it can, can you explain that like the projecting. Yeah. So pushing off your feelings onto and making it someone else's feeling. So you feel insecure. So you're like, uh, -uh you're doing this. And that's what's, that's why I feel this way. And it's just like, mm, remember you're in charge of your own feelings. Your feelings are valid, but your actions are not justified. So we have to be cautious about what we are saying to our partner. So again, that's how it can show up that childhood trauma, depending on the trauma. It can be something as far as I was molested as a child. So now even with my partner who I know loves me, it's hard for me to show up in sex. It's hard for me to show up and allow him to see my body, or allow her to see my body 
and feel comforting. Like I sometimes I go back or I feel numb because during those times when I was being molested, I just laid there. So it's kind of like mm. a trauma. So that can affect in relationships the sex part. But mostly if it's just something as far as like say you witness domestic violence and verbal abuse you might end up getting in relationships that mirror what you saw because you might end up picking up some of those habits thinking, oh, this is how people in relationship, because that was your first definition of love. So now it's going to show up. I'm just doing the same thing because it's all I know. Eventually, you're going to see that it's not working because most likely those relationships are so unhealthy. You're very unhappy. Your partner is unhappy. And you have to choose either I'm going to keep on doing this and this is going to end. And then I'm going to repeat the cycle with the next person or where where do I need to get help? Like, it's okay to go get help from past traumas. And sometimes we don't even think that things are traumas. Like we would probably not consider our parents fighting as a trauma, but if you are triggered in your relationship, then that can be considered an example of a traumatic response. So it can show up in such a multitude of ways. It's just being very cognizant of what that looks like for you. Are there any instances where, (sighs) If dad or mom aren't literally going head to toe fighting, but are there subtle instances that could be childhood trauma? As far as like seeing the parents? Yeah, seeing the parents. Um, but not so obvious is what I'm saying. If it wasn't so obvious, then probably not. I'm not 100% sure. So I guess all I can think about is like if you saw mom verbally abusing dad or dad verbally abusing mom. So, oh, yeah, my dad used to call my mom a B word all the time. Or, yeah, he used to throw stuff. He ain't never hit her, though. He used to, you know, throw stuff when he was mad. You know, my little brother used to cry, so I had to go comfort him. So all of that combined can be traumatizing, but it's not like someone was getting hands put on them. Right. And, you know, I didn't learn until... Uh, I'll be transparent. I didn't know that until a couple years ago that that was domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At my age right now, I, I had no it's idea. It's normalized though. And I think that's a lot of the times we don't learn it until we're adults and we go to therapy and our therapist says, yeah, that was trauma because look, kids are so resilient. Like kids can see parents fighting or see the worst of the worst happen and go back, go to school and usually outside of maybe some behavior issues, usually able to continue on, you know? So I think when kids show their resilience, we don't understand that was a survival technique. And that's why it ends up coming out when we're in a, when we're adults. Ooh, I love what you just said. How everyone says the kids are resilient, but it's really a, a survival. Yeah, they're surviving. Wow. Thank you, Cheryl, for your comment. She just said that this is great info. Mm -hmm. Cheryl told you she was good. That's why I had her back. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, That's disturbing to me about. Yeah, because again, just like you said, well, yeah, he called her a bitch. He threw all the China across the room. He put his foot in the TV, but he didn't hit her. Right. She didn't hit him. It's just like, no, that's still traumatic because imagine now when you get into an argument with your significant other and then you have this like freeze moment, you know, of just like, why is my heart pacing or why am I having it like this pain in my stomach? You know, what what's going on? And usually your body will tell you that you have a trauma by how it shows up and when situations happen. So you're like, dang, I'm still bothered by that or I never you know, heal from that. So it's good to pay attention to your body. And if you're feeling uneasy about something, it's probably connected to something you've experienced. Yeah. That reminds me of the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, yes. Yes. I can, that book is great. I can only take it in doses because (laughs) I'm going to tell you why, because it is so triggering for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying everybody is going to be like that, but for me, it was, it's triggering, but it does not stop me from continually to read the book, but oh, it, it gives so much info that it's eye openers, but 
you know, that helps the healing process. Yes. I think it does. Agree. Agree. Mm. Well, uh, why is therapy so essential to overcome childhood traumas? So therapy is that place where one, you get to take the mask off. Remember, we say that kids are so resilient because they learn how to survive and it's a survival technique. So they learn how to compartmentalize. So when you go to therapy, you're able to take the mask off and really address what is causing you harm, you know, emotionally, mentally, sometimes physically. So going to therapy, you have this safe space of being able to really kind of address feelings as a child, that inner child work that you didn't get to really say, because kids, especially in our community, are made to be silent. You're made to be seen, not heard. You're not allowed to say, I'm scared. Or when you do that to my mom or when you do that to my dad, that makes me feel scared, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. or I have nightmares or whatever the case. They just weren't. So now we're going back. Your therapist is traveling back to you to that time. And let's validate that experience for you. And it's not here to say that your mom was a bad mom and your dad. It's not about that, but it's validating your experience. A lot of times we don't get the opportunity to do that. And then working through how do I silence these triggers or how do I cope with them in a way that I can be in healthy relationship with my parents who might have caused this, be in healthy relationship for my partner and just be healthy for myself. So there's a whole plan of action on going through the trauma, but also how to live with this traumatic experience that has happened to you. And sometimes being able to let stuff go. Now, with the thing is, PTSD you know, looks different. And I know when we think PTSD, we often think like you go to war and you came back with PTSD. Like we we um, connected with the war or going to war, being in the service. But you can get PTSD from like childhood trauma. So being able to kind of cope with those uh, and PTSD, PTSD, if you didn't know, well, the audience didn't know, post-traumatic stress disorder. So being able to cope with those triggers so you won't, like I said, project onto other people. So an example, when we think about PTSD triggers, if an army vet comes back and like they can't do loud noise or when someone walks up close to them, they're about to break their neck. Like, you know, I know those are really extreme, um, but that might be what it looks like. But PTSD from childhood, again, I've said before, like feeling like when you hear someone's voice raised, your stomach just drops or you feel tightness or you feel like your heart is racing. Like it's this complete, like you feel unsafe. So being able to treat that like you are safe, those grounding exercises, you are safe, you are whole, and whatever else it is, okay, you know, that you have to tell yourself the mantras to work through that. So it's very helpful to heal from childhood trauma overall. This is so good. It's so good. Can you, to go back a little bit, can you explain about when you said stopping the triggers, do triggers ever stop or you know, does it reduce or minimalize a little bit? I don't, how does that work? It's not really black and white as we would want uh-huh. it to be. So for some, yes, they can stop, but for the most part, you just learn how to cope with them and then they decrease. So you become more desensitized to it. It doesn't uh-huh. Affect you as much because now you know what it is and you know what to implement from your, you working with your therapist, how to like allow you to kind of move through them and know that nothing bad is going to happen to you if you are feeling these feelings connected to this traumatic event. This is how you deal with them. Here's your, you know, metaphorical toolkit, what you can pull out, what you can do when you are feeling these feelings. So you learn how to cope with them and they become more desensitized. But for some, you know, Sometimes they never fully go away, but again, you know how to cope with them better. May I quote you from the article that you were interviewed? Sure. I love this. You said, quote, as a therapist, I aid clients in understanding their triggers associated with the traumas, understanding their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, coping with triggers, and creating healthy relationships. Uh, Let's see, there's a little more. In regards to building healthy relationships, therapy allows individuals to acknowledge 
their role in toxic relationships, which is typically learned behavior from their trauma, identify how their triggers have impacted their relationships and forgive any parties involved in their traumas. <laughs> Girl. Girl. Therapy is not easy. Like when you go in there, you're going to be going through so much as the client. And I think sometimes we romanticize what therapy looks like. So we might post a tweet of my therapist says, I know someone said it earlier this week, like my therapist said is the new my mama said. <laughs> so I think sometimes like, oh, therapist got me together. My therapist helped me acknowledge this, but sometimes we romanticize, like we don't show that we break down in therapy. You know, as a therapist, I go to therapy. We will break down in therapy and it can be a lot to maneuver through these traumas. Sometimes it does feel like this is too much to bear, that maybe I should just go back to compartmentalizing. Maybe I should just go back to being numb. But then you're not showing up authentically in this world as your genuine self. So it really doesn't serve you to do that, but it hurts so much at times. So just knowing that your therapist is never going to rush you and you're going to unpack this stuff slowly. You don't have to be on this time limit. Oh, I need to be done in three to six months. Like just take your time with it and know that eventually if you do the work, you're going to get to that place that you feel like, okay, I can handle this and have healthy relationships and maneuver through this. Mm. You know, again, I was watching Old Network and listening to Ayana in this episode. It had a, a family and it was part two and Ilyana gave the mom a homework assignment. Mm -hmm. So now we're at part two. And she asked her, well, did you do it? And she said, no. Now, I, I am fully aware Ilyana is not a therapist. But she still gave, yeah. I'm, <laughs> but she gave tools, you know, homework to create tools. And the mom said, no, I didn't do it. Ilyana, why? And she said, because it, to summarize it, it was too painful and it was just easier to stay numb and not do the work because that was her comfort zone. She didn't like it, but at least she was familiar with that. Yeah. <sighs> That's a lot. Normalized dysfunction, you know? Sometimes mm. we're so used to feeling pain, but because it's so normalized, that we just, at least we know what we're going to feel if we hold on to this. I'm used to it, you know? So, it, but overall, it serves you in the moment because you don't have to deal with your stuff. But overall, it really doesn't serve you as far as like being able to heal, but also have those relationships. Like your relationships are impacted. And most times people are going to therapy because you didn't, because you didn't take care of yourself. People have to go to therapy to deal with you. Yes. Oh, my God. Again, I'm going to quote from the article you were interviewed. I love this. You said, recovering from trauma takes time. Allow a professional to aid you in processing through the murky waters of your trauma. They can hold the space for you as you fall apart. Sometimes you need to fall apart. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. It is, but you have to give yourself permission to, especially us as black women. Like we give grace to everybody from the men and women in our lives, to our children, to the people we work with. We give grace for, I'm going to say for some of them people that probably don't deserve it, but we really lack giving it to ourselves. Like for some reason, we have to be super mom, super wife, super woman, super career lady. We have to be all these things. And if we were to ever fall short of perfection, we feel like failures, you know? And that, again, doesn't serve you to have this insight. Like everybody else can have grace, but not you. So give yourself that grace because, again, like I was saying earlier, therapy is hard. It's, yes. it's not easy. So you don't be going there and think, well, I need to go. I just need to be okay. We just need to have, you know, work through this one issue and I'm gonna be good. And it's like, most likely you think you're coming into therapy for something and it's really something bigger and deeper. So don't come in with this mindset of I need to get in, get out. Like it's a microwavable type of treatment because it's not. 
Have you heard from any of your clients after sessions with you that they felt physically exhausted? Oh, yes. <laughs> so before we end sessions, we off, I always do a check-in of like, okay, so let's stop, let's stop here. You know, what are you feeling right now? And, you know, sometimes they are like, I'm exhausted. Okay, so what can we do intentionally to pour back in you? Because this was a lot. You know, I definitely affirm them. This was a lot, you know, and it's okay to feel like I just need a nap right now. So we always have a self-care worksheet where it's just like from daily all the way to yearly. What is something you can grab off this sheet? that you can do for yourself. Like you feel it in yourself. It's on my website, Axiablashada, and it's free. So anybody can download it. It's a self-care worksheet, but I use it with my clients. Because even with me, like I said, a therapist that goes to therapy, sometimes I'm wrecked. Like I won't have clients. I won't put clients after a therapy session. I try not to have it on the days that I have class because I'm just like, I just need to be alone. I, sometimes I need to just put my phone on, do not disturb. I need to give me a snow cone or a slushy or some type mm-hmm. of key lime. I need something to pour back in me and let me go put on some old, you know, Jamie Foxx episode. I need to pour back into myself. So you with my clients, we definitely try to have a plan of action for after sessions that does not really involve processing what we just said. Take time. Now, if you need to process, journal it out. But let's go do something to pour back in you. So when you go and do my homework that I assign, you're able to already come from a field place versus a depleted place. I love that. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I'm going to download that and put it on my site or not my site, but on my social media sites mm-hmm. so that people can look at that. You know, having this platform, I agree. Therapy was not easy, but neither was childhood trauma. And I just want people to know that it's OK if you do fall apart. There's always a resource. So I'm definitely going to add that on and put it on on my social media so that they can see that. That's some good stuff. Wow. And I like how you said that it's hard. And I always tell people, life is hard. Like the good, like you said, your childhood trauma is hard. Going to therapy is hard. You really have to choose your heart. You Mm -hmm. get to choose because it's going to be hard regardless. So choose. Would you rather be miserable and still dealing with childhood trauma and that's hard? Or go through healing and know that this is hard, but it's temporary temporary and then you will eventually get past it if you do the work Mm. before we go on to the five tips or the five steps on the healing process can you touch on the negative self-talk as sabotaging relation your own relationships yeah we all you know probably have this inner critic that says the worst things, the nastiest things that we would dare not say out loud. So a lot of times this inner critic will tell us that we are not lovable. You're not enough. Your body looks disgusting or no one's ever going to love you or you're going to be alone forever. Like I, our inner critic says all of the worst things to us. So if we start to have this belief that our inner critic is true, then we start to pull away or we start to overcompensate in relationships because we don't want people leaving us. Like your inner critic might say that no one's ever going to love you. So you try so hard to make that person see you, love you, do everything right. And you're really suffocating this, you know, situation or this relationship. And it eventually is in because you felt so fearful that this inner critic was true that you tried to prove it wrong. So you really have to learn how to silence that inner critic by affirming yourself. And a lot of times people might ask, what does that look like? So, you know, basic psychology is going to teach us that we as humans first start off with a belief. That's what we do first. We all come up with a belief and then we find evidence to support that belief. So we'll say that my belief is all men cheat. That's a belief that I have. I can go out into the world and find evidence that men cheat that will support this belief. So in that belief, I'm thinking I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have someone that loves me. I'm never going to have someone that's faithful because I have the belief that all men cheat. But imagine if I take that belief and change it to all men do not cheat. 
So I just added one word, which was do not cheat, right? And I can go and find evidence from my friends that are married and happily married. I can go look at celebrities and look at LeBron and Savannah or, you know, uh, Denzel and his wife or, you know, Courtney Vance and Angela Bassett, whoever, you know, I can go and find these people in real life and in the world that support that same belief. So you have to come up. What do I want my core belief to be about me? You know, even if I don't feel it right now, what do I want that core belief to be? Believe. <laughs> what do I want that core belief to be? And then let me go find evidence that proves that belief to be true. <laughs> I love this. Oh, it's so true. And you you believe what you think and say. Yeah. Whether if it's here or here, mm-hmm. it's it's so true. You know, I may mention something at the end of this one. I just had a brain light bulb go off. But yeah, I agree. Um, it's really about the mind shift. And you you will go where your brain goes. Yeah. It just it just happens, whether yeah. if it's positive or negative. Mm. So we're going to go over some of the tips. You uh, already went over the first tip and was seeking therapy. Mm -hmm. So the second one we have here is to begin a healthy lifestyle. What does that look like to you? Um, A healthy lifestyle outside of just doing therapy, I would think that it is physical. So it's getting active, um, taking care of your body, what you put in your body. So eating healthy, picking the right things, but also like how you surround yourself, who you surround yourself with. So your support circle that pour into you and it's like this like reciprocity in these relationships. So all of that, I feel like it's just a healthy lifestyle. Like there's just there's so many components of it. Can you give an example of what that looks like of a good support system? So a good support system is where you're able to just, one, be vulnerable and transparent. You don't feel judged. Um, You feel heard and you feel seen. So a support system for me might be my mom and then it might be a cousin and then it might be like my bestie. So like those might be my three people that I go to when I'm like going through. Like not what the social media Diablo, but like human Diablo, where you just like, oh my God, I didn't broke up. I'm single and mom, sometimes I feel like it's it, you know, it like it whatever it can because I'm human and I have the things that I struggle with myself. So those are my three where I know I can cry. I don't have to be strong. I don't have to be okay. It's okay for me not to be okay. And they're going to pour into me. You know, my mom is going to, you know, want to coddle me like her little baby. And my girl is going to be like, girl, forget that. We got this. We're going to figure this out. You a boss. You know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. My cousin's going to be like, okay, so let's go out for your favorite Starbucks drink and let's just let you be. So all of it, that's how mine looks. But it's whoever you feel supports you and that you don't have to have a mask on and you can be honest. Right. Nice. And um, what about, here's the next one, trying mindfulness. Yeah, mindfulness is really good. Meditation. Um, I would say either do it when you first wake up before you pick up your phone. It's really good to kind of just be present. A lot of times, especially um, when you have a lot going on, like you're in school, you're working, you're taking care of your kids, um, you're running a business. A lot of times you're pulled in so many directions. So you're not even in here in the now because you're too busy thinking about what you have to do. So meditation and mindfulness allows you to be present. And a lot of times we miss them. And then we look up and it's five years later and it's look up and then we miss some very important things or important experiences. So kind of just sitting, you can sit in your bed, you can do whatever you want. You can find little calming apps, you can find free YouTube videos, or you can just, you know, deep breathe and with yourself and just, you know, from thanking your, you know, talking to God or thanking your body for you know, working properly. Like, I'm so glad that, you know, my legs are working, my arms are working, Mm -hmm. I'm in my right mind. Like, you know, I know today's going to be a good day. You start saying your affirmations. You're just being present. And it really can 
really take over your day. Like things that would normally would bother you if you hadn't grounded yourself, you know, you would be like, oh my God, typically that would have really pissed me off. But you know what? I grounded myself. So I'm not even gonna let that affect my mood because my vibe, my vibration is too high. Like I ain't got time for that madness. You gotta watch what you give your energy to already. So just really taking that moment to be present with yourself because you're always being present for other people. So now this is the time where you give it to yourself. Whatever you give to other people, you need to be giving it to yourself as well. Yes, ma'am. I love what you said about being careful of who you give your energy to because some of those people may be energy vampires (laughs) and they will suck the life out of you. True. That's exhausting. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Let's see. We're winding down to the tips. Uh, Let's see. Um, mm, We kind of touched on this already asking for support. Mm -hmm. So asking for support. Now that's, remember we talked about accountability and, Sometimes people don't know how to support you or, you know, until you teach them. We teach people how to love you, you teach people how to support you. So you have to use your vulnerability as your superpower versus like kryptonite. Like it's not going to harm you to be vulnerable because it's yours. So just be able to say, you know, I need you in this way or can you can I take up space? in this way like can you help me with this like be able to communicate your needs because people are mind readers so you can't say my family's not there for me my friends are did you tell them what you needed did you ask them but also remember if they say no and their no is for them and it's it, doesn't reflect how they feel about you but some people cannot like emotionally be present for you if they're going through their own thing you know so understand mm-hmm. that you can ask for support, but don't get offended if you don't get it. You know, you just got to figure out who you can go to. Like, I know there are certain people that I can go to and there are certain people I just wouldn't even bother to call because I know they probably wouldn't be able to be there for me in the emotional no capacity that I needed them to. I love that as far as uh, what you said about when you are asking for support and how you respond when the person says no, especially if they're saying no out of love. It's not an argument. It's not out of hate or malicious intent. It's just no, which is a complete sentence. Yes, no explanation needed. And I like, no, if you can't say no, what I tell my clients say, unfortunately, I can't, period. Unfortunately, comma, I can't. That's it. May I borrow that? Yeah, it is. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That goes with piggybacking on boundaries. I know that's kind of off topic, but that whole holding your boundaries, that comes with it as well. Yeah. Um, no, seriously. Like, you, healthy relationships have healthy boundaries. I don't know one healthy relationship that does not have healthy boundaries. If you have a relationship that does not have boundaries, most likely it's not a healthy relationship. And every time you bend your boundaries or just don't enforce them, you betray yourself. So who are you really mad at? The other person or yourself? So stop betraying yourself for other people. And then we're like, well, I do it for them. So I expect them. See, that's where we messed up. Expect. You got unrealistic expectations you're placing on someone else. And you don't always have to do it. So that's the standard you put yourself to. That's unrealistic. So address your unrealistic expectations you're setting for yourself and the people in your life. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Here's our last tip. Learning how to self-regulate. So being able to self-regulate is a real learning skill, especially if you are experiencing any, you know, triggers. So a lot of times grounding exercises work so well. So a grounding exercise will look like anything that's going to bring you into the here and the now. So I can find a thing, two things that I can touch, see, taste, hear, smell, then one thing, or you can do three, two, one, and do three things I can touch, see, taste, smell, and then two things, and then one thing. So anything that's going to bring you back to the present is usually a way to self-regulate. Um, also, um, I'm EMDR certified. So one thing that I teach my clients is about um, 
being able to self-regulate using calm space or a safe place. So you come up with something in your mind. You try to make sure you keep people out of this like vision. Now, the place could be a beach. The place can be. Excuse me. You said keep people that you know out of it. Try to keep people out of it. Yeah. Like you don't want that your safe place includes other people. Now, why they say that? I don't know. But that's what they say. Uh, (laughs) But they want it to just be about you. You know, you bringing your own self this like calming feeling versus attributing to needing someone to calm you down but you know do whatever works for you it's your calm safe space but you create it and mine could be a beach and so in that beach i'm gonna say you know what are you noticing now you know what are you hearing what are your feet doing what are your hands doing so you do all of this yourself like what are my feet doing i feel my feet in the sand what am i hearing i hear seagulls um i hear the waves splashing i hear you know, whatever the case may be. What am I drinking? Uh, I might have a coconut in my hand and it's the real, like you make it so real and you are just calming yourself down. But you can even make something like, think about maybe if you had great, you know, dinners at your grandma's house during Thanksgiving. So you think about the smell of her turkey and the macaroni and cheese and how I touched the yams on the plate. Ooh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> you're thinking about the smell of her perfume for whatever perfume that she used to wear you remember your feet touching her rug or her carpet that she had in front of her rocking chair like you just make it so vivid for you that that's your and you name this safe place and then you are able to turn it on and turn it off to help regulate yourself i, I like love to pull that. on my ear so that's my thing to help me self-regulate i will pull on my ear and I, really? I pull on my ear and I will do some deep breaths before I say anything. That's that's what gets me. I need a physical thing. I'm like, give me some time to think about it. I say, just give me a moment. Just give me a moment to think about this. You know, I'm going to call you right back. Okay. And that's what it is. Like, I have to tug on my ear. I love it. You know, I, I like how you said that because... When you self-regulate, it's just what it's saying, self. So you're not having to go into a store and buy, I don't know, a sound machine. I mean, it would be nice. And I have one of those. But there's no excuse because you have everything you need to be great from within. Yes. Agreed. And it's just unlocking that and so that we know our fullest potential. What we all were born with, we just have that. Trauma has come and sprinkled their <laughs> ugly seasoning on our innocent right. minds and souls. Right. But we have everything we need from within, everything. Mm. So I love what you said about um, one of the tools is journaling. Mm-hmm. And we know that you have your new book about journaling. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> you are so cute to me. <laughs> Wait, let me do one better. Let's do that. There we so, go. There it is. So can you tell everyone about your journal that everyone, again, the link to purchasing this journal is in the show description box. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's talk about this journal. So the Therapeutic Journal Toxic Relationships Edition is actually our second journal in the series. Our first one was just the Therapeutic Journal. This one focuses on helping you work through probably some toxic relationships that you've been in. So it's broken into three parts, past, present, and future. And it'll start with you getting to, you know, see, well, how did you see love growing up? How did you see love between your parents? And working through what are your current ideas of like what a healthy relationship look like? It helps you, the prompt, there's a prompt in there that addresses your own toxic behaviors. You know, what has some relationships taught you? Also going into thinking about, you know, who you might have heard and how do you address this? So it's 30 prompts that really get you to sit down and work through and write out what it is that who's hurt you and how's impacted your relationships so that you're able to be more self-aware 
and be more cognizant of how you know these relationships impact you today and then if you know or as you work through you see oh man i'm still bothered that you know this happens to me in my childhood with my mom or my dad or my sibling or this relationship really did a number this divorce really did a number on me this friendship that ended really impacted me this is your roadmap or your resource that you can take to therapy that now you're just like, hey, so I realized that this still impacts me. Like, I didn't even know it actually impacted me. And you you have a starting, you know, a starting place. So it's really good for people who are not necessarily ready for therapy, um, but want to start that healing on their own. So self-guided. And then it's also great for clinicians to use with their clients that struggle in toxic relationships. I was just going to mention that and tell everyone that other clinicians also have used this as a tool. That was very impressive when you said that when you were on last time. Yes, I love it. I'm glad. And I think that's what I really want to do is continue to make products, not only just for the individual, but like the novice or expert clinician, you know, to be able to use these resources with their clients and, you know, I love giving homework. So this is just like how they can give homework to their clients and process those, you know, traumas or those prompts in depth in session. So imagine you do the prompt, your therapist assigns it, and then you go back and y'all talk about it. Y'all do the therapeutic intervention. So it's like wellness and wholeness just flowing at this point. So such a great Holistic. I love it. Yes. I'm going to ask you something that you did last time you were here. If you could just pick out, open the book and just read one prompt. You did that last time and I, it took me out. You all are going to have to purchase the book, but (laughs) that first prompt you did last time, I was like, Oh my God, that, that made my soul vibrate and actually made it rattle. So the prompts do work, but if you just pick out one of the 30, just so people can get a a little nibble of what you're about. Okay, so I guess we can do number two, because I think I might have did number one in the first journal. But Mm -hmm. what prompt number two says, what do your parents or caregivers teach you about love? How did they display love in front of you? And then you have the journal pages. It's like six journal pages to journal about what you got from that prompt. So definitely one of my favorites. You know, while you're, yeah, that, that's a good one. That first one, you just set it off. <laughs> that number one, <laughs> like, damn. Can I get a little, a little lube first? Yeah, you just, just start off strong. You know, you got to start off with the opening got to get you. And that it did. Oh, my God. Any parting words that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Um, that, ooh, that I know toxic is used a lot. And, you know, we're not saying that people are toxic. You know, we all have habits. And again, this is learned behavior. Like, we learn how to show up in our relationship just based on what we learn. So let's not get in the mode of saying, oh, he's toxic, she's toxic when you're, you know, out here going through relationships and come from a perspective of that. These people had these certain type of, you know, lived experiences that shape how they show up. Yes, they're accountable, but we all have had some certain lived experience that impact how we show up in relationships. So give grace to yourself as well as the people that you know. And, you know, let's work as a collective to kind of heal our community because we don't want toxic relationships with our community, within our families, you know. So you can be literally the catalyst of healed relationships and healthy relationships within your community and your support circle. So we're not coming from a judgmental standpoint or nor do we want you to come from a judgmental standpoint. It's just really like, let's address that this is happening and let's work on a game plan to heal through it. Mm. So aside from purchasing your journal book, what is one thing somebody can do right now to start on that healing path so that we can work together collectively? 
Um, you know what? Right. Um, so first you can just identify what do you want in relationships? Like what what are you maybe three things that you want in relationships within the next six months? So do you want, you know, do you want a better relationship with your mom or your siblings? Do you want to rekindle a relationship with a friend that maybe y'all haven't talked in a while? Like, or do you want to try to make new friends? Like, what exactly are your goals in relationships? And then they can be like the catalyst of, okay, so how has this, what has this looked like for me in the past? So if I want a better relationship with my mom, how was my relationship with her back in the day that made me step back from it, you know, and then you just kind of start that self-awareness part. So peace. So that can uh, be a good way to start, but there's no right or wrong way to start. Just start. Yeah. I like that. Just start. Just take that first step. And that first step will be a jog. And before you know it, you are in the Olympics running marathons. (laughs) Diavola. Yes. Again, you have once again qualified as a Black girl that has her shift together. Hey. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again for coming on with all your insight. You're a great insight. And I love your delivery. I I just, you're so cute to me. (laughs) (laughs) You are. I just, I love it. I love it. But a much continued success. You, you, um, doing some good things. And thank you for taking time out in your busy space. Oh, before we get off, can you, if you have anything, any upcoming events you'd like to share, um, or what you're going to be doing? Um, just follow me on Instagram and usually I'll post it because I don't have my calendar in front of me, but I know it's, I'm filling it up. So if you want daily mental health tidbits and relationship tidbits, just follow my Instagram and find out what I'm doing. So that is X Diablo Shade at X Diablo Shade. You can find me there. Love it. for joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all. This for the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog.